Welcome to Outwit Outplay Out Pod, the podcast where fire takes represent your life. I'm Isaac. I'm Kayla. And we're here to talk about Survivor Season 45, Episode 12, The Ex-Girlfriend at the Wedding. Kayla, the tribe has spoken, but we have not. What is your fire take from this week's episode? My fire take is that you jinxed us. This was a terrible episode. This is the worst episode of the season after last week's most amazing episode of the entire season. I was so deeply bored this entire time. I think I'm I'm shocked. I'm shocked. Surprised. I, I thought that there was, I think we got, an, I, I kind of see where you're coming from and that we got a pretty boring result from Tribal Council, but I thought there was some interesting game theory on the way that we'll dig into. Uh, my fire take has very little to do with the season itself, and I can't believe it's been this long uh, unacknowledged in our podcast. Jeff's little casting calls uh, <laughs> at the episode. I love him, and I've noticed that over the course of a season, it seems like he gets more free reign about how weird to make them. Like This time, I don't know if everyone gets served the same casting calls, by the way. I don't know if it's like a localized thing like commercials, but he was like, are you missing that hip in your hop? Do you want a little adventure in your step? Like, blah, 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 blah. Like, apply for Survivor. And it just, I really love them. And I think they should get even more crazy and creative with them. They should have Jeff film some from the helicopter. Like, they have all these amazing sets to take advantage of. Usually he just slow walks at the camera. But anyway, I'm here for the Jeff casting calls. I love them. Well, those are our fire takes, folks. Coming up on the pod, we're going to break down this week's episode, gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal, and end with our favorite segment, Survivors on the Move. Kayla, shall we dive into the recap? I was just remembering when Jeff pulled out a knife. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and I'm deeply distracted. Yes, please dive into the recap. All right. So after Tribal, Dee and Julie put on a bit of a show, hiding that Dee gave Julie the heads up to play her idol. In a rendezvous with Austin, Dee swears on her mother's life that she did not leak the plan to Julie. Austin, Dee, and Drew solidify a final three-pact, agreeing that Julie needs to go next. And in a confessional, Austin explains that he didn't play his idol because he felt confident Julie would put her vote on Emily or, or uh, I wrote Jackie. Uh, who did I mean by that? Jake or Jake. <laughs> Somehow, Julie still thinks it would be smart for the Reba Four to go to the end. The next morning, Katura sneaks away for a little morning idol hunting and Dee and Austin follow suit, but no one has any luck. Later, at a reward challenge, the castaways compete at a barrel-walking, untying, and slide puzzle competition. Austin pulls out the dub and decides to make a date of it, inviting the along and third-wheel Katura to a helicopter ride and picnic. Austin steps in it a bit when he says his logic for picking Katura is based on who he wants to leave behind, and Drew, Julie, and Jake head back to camp. Kayla, what do you think about the opening part of the episode? I thought barrel walking was really fun. Like, this is what I want to see where they just look silly. We need to be optimizing for our castaways looking silly. And I think I would have a lot of fun doing that if I were like on an island and had to careen my way across this obstacle course. I was like, this is lovely. I'm glad the producers are having um, leaning into the fun in games. Yeah, I thought that was a fun challenge. I also think that, you know how Survivor's gotten more and more creative and montage and stuff with the episode? One part where it hasn't done that is with the challenges. And I kind of get that. Like, you want to preserve the purity of the competition and show that to the viewer. But, like, I don't know. I felt like there was an opportunity for comedic music associated with Walking on a Barrel. <laughs> like, something like kind of like Looney Tunes goofy. I don't know. Like Bachelor in Paradise style where they really... Yeah, yeah. 
slide in all the um, weird noises and sound effects. I could be into that. I could be into that. Yeah. Yeah. Just saying. Um, I thought that Austin, like, I don't know what you're thinking. I, he, he says the quiet part out loud, which I think is a totally fine strategy to have. And that is being mindful of who you're leaving back at camp and make sure, making sure that they're not people who are going to like strategize behind your back, but just never say it. Never say out loud that that is the reason you're doing things. Like it clearly caused some enmity with Drew. He didn't want to be the babysitter. Julie gets another sort of reinforcement that she's basically there to be watched. Um, so Austin is not exactly subtle with his strategizing and his approach to the reward challenge. So got to do better, buddy. Do you think him and Drew are in a weird spot? Um, well, it's sort of irrelevant now, I suppose. I mean, um, after Drew heads out, but... I think that Drew seemed to believe Austin when he said that D didn't leak it. And I feel like that's the thing that would have caused enmity between them in general. I feel like Drew is a bit of a grouch this, especially this episode and was kind of like, he was so always, grouchy. Ugh. Yeah. He was waking up on the wrong side of bed. So I feel like if there was enmity towards Austin, there was also towards others. So who the hell knows for the reward itself. I mean, proof of concept that like the sanctuary is like terrible because like this was so much better like I maybe they can't do a helicopter every episode but even the scenery of like eating on a sand spit and like they just had them picnic food but at least it was like a different backdrop that we're not used to seeing going to the sanctuary is such a bummer it's like you don't want you don't want a reward to be <laughs> something where you can already picture it in your head before you even get there there's supposed to be cool experiences so I'm sure there's budgetary reasons why they're doing that but yeah, I'd be very happy to leave the sanctuary behind forever. No, you're being a grouch. The sanctuary's fun like one or two times. I don't think every meal needs to be at the sanctuary, but I think they should pick one or two really amazing meals, also sponsored by Cottonelle or another household product, um, to go and enjoy. And I do think this helicopter ride is taking the place of when they used to do those for lack of a better word cultural experiences where it would be like yeah come look at this dance da 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 and I think the producers thank the lord have decided that that is no longer and instead they're like please watch this nature from a helicopter I agree it would be an overcorrection to go back to the days of like look there's a village why don't you goof off with crazy children that was unhinged 2000s energy that i'm glad we've left behind second part of the recap so at the reward austin and d hold hands d confesses to a producer that she is spitten with austin we get a little producer speaking up on camera not something survivor does very often and austin reflects on his self-confidence journey back at camp drew is annoyed that he has to babysit the demon children aka julie and jake and throws a pot lid in frustration meanwhile julie and jake look for peppers aka idols behind drew's back Jake breaks out on his own and finally finds a clue, directing him to look in a secret compartment in the camp raft. He strips down to his boxers, reflects on a school play where he did the same, and quickly finds the idol in a raft. He is committed to getting innovative with it to earn jury votes. 
At the immunity challenge, Jeff does a weird impression of Jake talking to his buddies about what he said to Jeff. I know that sentence doesn't make sense, but it did happen. The castaways stand on one foot and hold a seesaw with another, balancing a ball at the end. This is a brand new survivor challenge. We end up with a star-crossed lover showdown and ultimately a statuesque D outlasts Austin. D wins her second immunity necklace, and in a confessional, Drew makes clear that he wants Julie gone. Kayla, your thoughts? Statuesque, lol. Um, <laughs> I really liked it. This was giving very much we're in the fifth grade, where both the last two people left in dodgeball. We're being fun and flirty as we avoid the dodgeball that the other person is trying to throw at us, knowing damn well someone's going to get rubber in the face. Like, I loved it. It was amazing. I liked how she was going after him. Honestly, served multiple purposes. One, she was like, I'm cute, adorable. Remember me. Remember I'm here. Two, I actually do think it was distracting for him. I think she knew she had this challenge in the bag and could spend this extra energy just like kind of fucking with him. And three, um, it made for great uh, television banter that we don't typically get. Typically, no one speaks at challenges or at the people on the bench are going, good job, stay in it, while people look furtively like left and right waiting for the other person to drop. Like, I want more sass, more inter-challenge banter. We talked about the challenges that we think we'd be particularly strong at earlier in the season. This is my challenge. When I was in middle school, I went to a baseball camp for pitchers. And one of the things we did was we had a competition where everyone stood on one leg and held the other leg up in like baseball pitcher mode, which is exactly the position they're standing in in this challenge. And I was second long. I took, I, I was the second best. I was the second best at it out of like 40 kids probably. So I actually think that That's I would a be, lot. This, this is my challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I was excited to see this one. Um, and I agree that the banter just made it more fun. And I wish like maybe Jeff could like play a role in, instigating that more often and getting the competitive juices flowing because I do feel like challenges need a little bit more edge to them I don't think they're that competitive anymore they're competitive in the yeah team aspect where there's often a race like some kind of race happening but they're not competitive in the like what can I do to throw the other person off and a lot of the times they're in the water and I think perhaps too far from one another plus with the lapping of the waves to really yeah true throw some jabs but producers please think about this um for future seasons have them a little closer together allow some tripping yep yep um one topic that's a bit of a tricky one that i did want to address is the the genre of like journeys to self-confidence which is a kind of story that we hear survivors tell a lot we heard jake tell that associated with his weight loss journey we hear austin tell it associated also with like being sort of like a chubby kid and having acne at one point and certain things. And I I just like, I struggle with this a little bit where I'm like, like, first of all, go you, like whatever your journey, wherever your journey takes you (laughs) and the confidence you build is, that's great. At the same time, when folks tie a confidence journey to something to like, especially like a physical quality associated with it, it's like the learning often shared is like, I made changes and I'm better now because like, I'm more attractive, I'm fitter or something. And I'm just like, it's always a shame to me when that's the moral because it's like, what message is that sending to like people of different body types and lifestyles and just like a whole range of things where I'm like, I'm often like, oh, you were so close. Like you almost got there. 
And I think it's wrong for me at sitting on the couch to like begrudge the moral that anyone takes from their personal journey. So I'm sort of like, Isaac, are you just making much ado about nothing? But I don't know. It's just something that I think about because they're holding up their story as like a moral and a lesson for others to share. But what do you think on that, Kayla? Isaac said, what is the lesson here, Isaac? Um, As you know, I really liked Jake's story, but I think the reason I liked Jake's story was because of how hard he worked. Like to me, it was like less about the outcome and more about just the like, he said, I put everything into this and like, now I'm here on Survivor using everything that I learned. Like that felt much more connected to me where I do think, sorry, Austin, I'm about to drag you. Um, I do think the Austin story was more like, I am now hot and on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Which like, I love that. I love that hot people are on TV. Um, But I can't say that, His story stuck with me. I can't say I'll remember it past probably next week, Um, but I'm happy for him. He's gotten D. And also, I don't think if that's a story you have to submit to Survivor, you probably like, yeah, aren't that interesting of a person. You got on Survivor for other reasons that I'm sure were made clear to the producers in your application, but um, your personal story and narrative was not one. Yeah. Okay. I think that's a fair analysis. I think you're right to associate like an uplifting story with sort of the effort and the personal meaning it had for someone, as opposed to, I guess, some of the more superficial ways in which you could characterize their journey. I'm not calling either of them superficial whatsoever, but just like commenting on the fact that there are people, all different kinds of people watching shows. And it probably kind of makes you feel like shit if like people put up like your before picture before you had a weight loss journey. And yeah, like, I'm sure like if that. you're... Like, that's just crap. Yeah, you'd be like, wow, drag yeah. me. I do think that's yeah. true. They were wrong for putting up that acne photo. I'll say that. Yeah. They didn't yeah. need to do that. Like, That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, let's talk about Jake. What I want to ask, and maybe from this point in the episode, like, are you, are you a believer in Jake having a path to be the soul survivor? I'm a believer. You're a believer, really. Mm, not to being the sole survivor. I think it is a path okay. to final three. That's well, yeah. Quite, if you're in the final five, <laughs> yeah, I agree. He has a path to final three. He, I feel like he was I... right to say that he needed to run this vote in order yes, to have a chance. He needs to do something. I think people like an underdog always, and I think that's even more true in the most recent. Um, episodes like Marianne, Gabler, Erica, although theoretically Erica was like running the things and got a port edit. So I'm, I'm open to that having actually had happen have happened. Um, Jam Jam was a bit more of a dominant character. So I don't think he falls into that, but I do think people like an underdog and um, he fits the bill there and cat with 12 lives at this point. Also more than people like an underdog, people hate, seeing like a group run an entire thing. So there's that. Yeah. What do you think? Are you anti-Jake? I like Jake. I think he's really charismatic. I I don't know that he's a great survivor player, but I find him really likable and like the school play stuff was funny. And I just, I think he, I'm glad he's on the cast. It, it kind of, it's a shame that he hasn't had more opportunities to run things, but when he found an idol, I was 
really happy for him. And I was curious to see whether it would come into play this tribal. Unfortunately, it didn't. I think he knows he's uh, a bad survivor player. Yeah, he does. He's self-aware. <laughs> I think that's what it is. He's self-aware. He knows where he is in the game. All right, Kayla. Well, let's gavel in another edition of Mock Tribal. If you don't already know, Mock Tribal is when your typically agreeable hosts spit fire and spare no feelings as we disagree on a survivor subject of some controversy. Kayla, what's on the docket this week? This week, Dalton. We all know Dalton, I think, if you're listening to this podcast, so I won't give him a, a title. Has ranked season 45 of Survivor 21st on the all-time list, which for context which my wonderful co-host gave me before this podcast is one slot behind where season 44 was placed in last year's rankings. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and agree with Dalton Ross of EWO. Um, By the way, his rankings are subject to the possibility of change if the finale takes him in a certain direction. So we'll update folks next week, but I think, Dalton's rock, Dalton's ranking resonated with me. I feel like putting this middle of the pack all time for Survivor feels right. I think we got a particularly poor start to the season, but probably an above average post merge run of episodes. Um, and so feel it that balancing out to kind of a middle tier season feels right to me. Um, I'll also say that putting this narrowly behind last season with Carolyn and Jam Jam also feels right to me. I feel like Last season had better casting and both Carolyn and Jam Jam are like fan favorite personalities, the kinds that you don't even get one of every episode, every season. So the fact that we got two, I thought was really strong. The casting is just a little bit weaker, I think, this season. Um, But part of what makes up the gap is that I think there's been some more interesting play of advantages and idols. Whereas last season, like people found idols, but they weren't used in interesting ways or there were fake idol stuff that didn't end up affecting the game. So there's been a little bit more strategic interest. I think this game, even though it was really fun to root for Tika last. So anyway, I do think it's fair to put it sort of just a little bit behind season 44 and middle of the pack overall. But Kayla, what do you think? I feel this deserves to potentially be ranked a little higher, maybe somewhere in the low teens. And I think that's wow. about last season as well. Just because there are several early episodes of Survivor, or early seasons of Survivor that I think get clouded by pure nostalgia alone. It was just a different type of game. And I think if we're talking about the new era of Survivor, drop the four, keep the one, y'all know I love to say it, this these two seasons have been far and away better than seasons mm-hmm. 41, 42, and 43. Granted, totally these were the agree. COVID seasons. I'm sure those that had like a significant impact, but I think there does need to be some kind of scaling um, that for the new episode of Survivor, if one epi- if one season were to make it within that top third, let's say, it should definitely have been um, this season or the last season because we've had a lot of, the casting's just been great. I also think with 41, 42, and 43, the casting was less than ideal. And now they've got some new producers in the room. They've got some new casting directors. They've really found their footing. So I'm not going with a full disagree, but I want Dalton to be open to the fact that we're in a new era and he maybe should just like relook at his guidelines. Yeah, I think that's, I think, um, 
that the finale could push this into the high teens for me. I won't go low teens, but I'm open to this moving into the 19th slot if the finale is like jaw dropping, which who knows? Anything's possible. All right, Kayla. So here we wanted to talk a little bit about if we could script the finale of this season of Survivor, optimizing for drama, what would we write? All right. The best version of the finale, I think, is Katura winning immunity. Katura or Jake winning immunity and Jake playing his idol, right? Jake playing his idol is the key. Like that needs to happen in order for this to be a revolutionary finale. And if Jake wins immunity himself, I do think that would be a crazy underdog story that no one saw coming. It would then free him up to do something really crazy and play his idol for someone else, which I think juries always give more points for. And they he could end up like voting someone off with like one vote or with two votes with a minority of the vote. So I think that, I mean, the most dramatic would be if he used it to vote out I mean, he should use it to vote out D. She's the biggest threat to win. I'm just trying to think. Yeah, I think that would be the most dramatic. Jake voting out D. And then in the final four, Keturah beating Austin in firemaking. And you get Jake, Keturah, and Mama Julie. And I think that that jury does not know what to do in that situation at all. I mean, Mama Julie would be the favorite, but I think that a... Jake, who just pulled off a really big move, would have a compelling case to make. Uh, and Katura is brilliant, and maybe she reveals she's a lawyer, and then people are like, oh my gosh, she was really masterminding the whole thing somehow. Um, but yeah, I think that's my that's my dream finale. What about yours? What's your vision? That was really good. Let's see what happens. We get to the last immunity challenge. Katura wins her first and only immunity challenge and is holding the necklace. She's already immune. She partners with Jake. They mastermind to play the idol. I think they'd play it against Austin. Like, I just don't think they'd play it against Dee. I think they would aim for Austin, especially since they know he's weak now and doesn't have his immunity idol and they had to play it last week. So I think they aim at Austin, except in the background, Katora actually goes and works with um, D and Austin to vote out Jake, who doesn't play the idol for himself, because she has to do something spicy. Like, she has nothing, so she has to go full spice. So Jake plays his idol for someone else, but then gets voted voted out? But then gets gets voted out, which would be so sad, but also hysterical. And then Couture could be like, look what I've done. I have been friendly with everyone, and now it has gotten me. I've slithered my way into old Reba, essentially, and I'm here at final four and then we have to send someone to fire okay so who do we send to fire we send the star cross lovers to fire we're sending austin and d to fire and they are literally building this fire which is emblematic of their brewing love except the winner knows that they have just crushed the hopes of the love of their life winning one million dollars 
You're correct. Like, ah. You're completely correct. Yeah. It's just like, poetry. It's, and- extra, <laughs> it's extra hard to build the fire because they're like tears are dampening the kindling as they as they cry. Yeah. As Mama Julie, who was brought to final to final three, just looks on and is like, mm, "My children, which one will win?" Um, so that's that's what I want. And then at that point, we have Katura, Mama Julie, and whoever wins fire, which I really don't care. About. <laughs> I'm there for the the first round drama and the fact that like, what if are you? Do you have to give your jury vote to someone if you're trying to date on the outside? Imagine you're trying to date me, but I didn't get your jury vote. Crazy. <laughs> no, no way. Especially because so, you might have a I'm financial going. interest in your partner winning. Yeah. Okay. No edits. Great call. Great call. I love it. Last leg of the recap, so back at camp, Jake pitches Julie on blindsiding Drew, who he thinks would be a compelling speaker at Final Tribal. Julie is happy to hear him out and stays silent about the fact that she and Dee wanted to blindside Drew anyways. Jake also pitches Katura, and despite his urging, immediately she tells the plan to Dee. Drew is riding high and feels like he's basically controlled the game since the merge. Julie's idol play is the only blemish on on his resume, and he plans to correct that. Meanwhile, Dee wavers back and forth on whether to bring Austin in on the plan. She's worried he might play his idol for Drew, but torn after Austin told her the plan last vote. At Tribal Council, Julie expresses that she feels babysat, and the castaways chat about their close relationships complicating the strategic game. Drew compares Survivor to Limbo, where the bar is different heights for different people each vote. I thought it was a good analogy, but here's the bad news for tall guy Drew. Austin plays his idol for himself, Julie gets two votes, and the remaining four send Drew home. He exits, silently fuming, and Jeff informs the castaways that they will be going to a brand new island, starting over for the final push to Tribal. Kayla, what do you think about the wrap-up of the penultimate episode? Why do you think Austin played his idol for himself and not Drew? I think that he, it was a true blindside. Like, I mean, this is not only his alliance member, but like his love withholding information from him. And so if you think that it's completely safe, but it's your last chance to play your idol, you play it for yourself just because you know you'll look like a fool if you play it for anyone else and then you go home. So I'm not mad at Austin for making the move, honestly. What about you? See, I kind of thought... Maybe this is still true. We'll find out next episode. I think there was a world where Dee did tell Austin, but yeah. he just kind of got on board with the plan. I think he knows. I think he would have yeah. played, like, it doesn't make sense. I don't know. <laughs> you you could be right that, like, they could open next episode revealing that Dee did end up following her heart and telling Austin. And Austin was like, you know, I want drew to vote for me in the jury so i'm gonna pretend i didn't know play the idol for myself and my hands will be clean uh in drew's eyes so maybe i'll still get his jury vote i am open to that as a possibility i think that's a good show um do you think austin and d's relationship will recover from this under the assumption that d did not in fact tell austin i absolutely think it will recover i don't think it's at risk at all that's all i have to say like, I just think they're a little bit locked in. They're here snuggling on a helicopter, Isaac. 
I know, fine. but like Austin set a precedent in telling D a crucial piece of information and trusting her. And D is like exact same situation one day later does not respect that precedent. So there's got to be some But I think you're down a person. I think you're down a person where it's like, okay, we have to be a little more cutthroat today than we were yesterday. And you can just be like, I heard where the vote was going. And I think they could, yeah, they had the numbers without D. So D was just like, okay, like they were going to do it without There was nothing we could do except play the idol for Drew and then maybe they would have split the vote and then one of those split votes would have definitely ended up on D or Austin. So, like, I guess the best case scenario is one of them were going home and that's what I would tell him and be like, they had the numbers anyway, just had to roll with it. Nothing we could have done. Sorry. And he'll be like, yeah, you're right. I mean, I do feel like Austin must respect Dee's competitive nature. And clearly this is an extension of that. Like she beat him at the immunity challenge and she beat him strategically. And maybe Austin's like, you know what? She's an alpha and I'm here for it. She's got game. She's got game. Uh, Unfortunately, I don't think that Jake will be getting any credit for this plan. He thought that he orchestrated this vote, but I think next episode we're going to pan to Jake being surprised that Drew was voted out with four votes because he was thinking that it was just going to be a 3-3 situation and then he was going to put on his big boy pants and convince Austin or D to switch their vote to Drew because he didn't want D to be informed of this plan because he was worried about it leaking back to Drew. So unfortunately, I think Jake missed his last chance to make a big resume building move unless he can do something absolutely mind blowing uh, come next episode, the finale, but time is ticking. Well, Kayla, now it's time for our favorite segment survivors on the move. Whose stock is rising for you this week? D there was a moment in this episode where she said my two number ones. And I think that just encapsulates her power in this game. Cause I actually think it's true. Like I think yeah. she does have two number ones and I thought about it for a minute I was like, you can't have two number ones. Who's your real number one? And I think she's like both until one gets voted out. That probably yeah. won't be um, something I orchestrate. And Austin definitely thinks, like, I don't know. Maybe it was Drew. I'm less and less convinced that Drew was actually his number one. I think D was really slithering into that top spot besides what producers wanted to show us during this episode. I just don't believe the hype. Um and Mama Julie damn near ran to D to tell her the plan yeah. today. Like, I think she literally skipped. So that's really powerful. Yeah. And even Katura was like, oh, I think I can get D. Like, I know. And, and they were, like, jumping up and down excited. So clearly Katura and D have some kind of bond that I feel like hasn't even been pictured. So D is the center of this game, and everyone else is just a planet or orbiting around her son at the moment. I think that much is clear. Moving down this week, I had Katura. Kayla, you had Katura as well. I just think, you know, Jake and Katura were kind of bottom of the pack here from a jury standpoint, and Jake found an idol and Katura didn't. And therefore, I think time has basically run out for Katura to like build a resume for herself. Is that your feeling? The viewers can't see, but I'm nodding aggressively. Yeah, I think it, yeah. whoever found the idol was the person who would have had a compelling story come final three. Um, and unfortunately that went to Jake. I just don't know what this, 
lovely and brilliant woman would say about like her survivor game particularly aside from that she didn't have any votes cast against her which is impressive so that's true that's a good point good point to make all right folks well quick point update um so Kayla and I, neither of us got any points for our picks this week. We, I, I had Austin leaving this episode. Kayla had Julie. Um, so we, neither of us got credit for either of those, uh, which means Kayla still has 10 points and I still have six points. I will say, Kayla, even though your Woo! lead is, you know, impressive, the maximum points that we could have had through this point is 24. So we're both kind of not doing so hot. Um, I think that there is still some possibility that I could catch you if absolutely everything goes to plan. So um, obviously both of us have had our number one soul survivors eliminated. In my two, three, four spot, I have D2, Julie three, Katura four. And your two, three, four spot, you have D, uh, Austin two, Jake three, Katura four. So I think the biggest probably difference maker is whether Austin or D wins, interestingly. Like that could decide which of the Starcross lovers win Survivor if one of them does indeed win, could decide our competition also. So there's some dramatic stakes to layer on top of the finale next week. Um, if I go down because I foolishly pick boys, like, oh, I'm gonna be sick. So I'm regretting it. I have regrets. <laughs> Well, stay tuned, folks. We'll settle the score next week, and you will hear from us one last time because Survivor Season 45 finale is going to be next Wednesday, December 25th. Tune in to CBS for that. Um, But that's going to be it from us this week. If you want to share your fire takes, please shoot us an email at outwitoutplayoutpod at gmail.com. We'd love to read those on the podcast. And if you're enjoying our show, spread the word. Tell a friend about us and rate us on your favorite podcasting app. We really appreciate it. We'll be back next Friday to talk about the next episode of Survivor Season 45. But until then, the tribe has spoken, and so have we. 